Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 i look at my relationship with god is not a slot machine or or you know i'm trying to do better because i want more favor from him no my obedience to god arises out of the transformation in my heart out of the love i have for god my wife wouldn't like me very much if I did things at the house and told her that, you know, hey, you know, I cooked you this beautiful meal. And she said, you know, thank you for cooking that beautiful meal. And I said, I just read this book on how to have a good marriage, so that's why I did it. No, I want her to know that whatever I do for her, it's out of a love for her. And so, thirdly, the law, especially as it's used here, only proclaims us guilty, but nothing to do to remove the guilt of our lives. That the law can reveal sin in our life, but it cannot take away the guilt of that sin. It can never remove the guilt. And that's clear all the way through the New Testament. That sticking by the Word of God, that does not do anything to cleanse us, to wash us. That's why in 1 John chapter 1 it says, you know, to confess your sins to Him, and He is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness that He's the one who does the cleansing, not because of our good works. That would kind of like me driving down the street. You know, I'm going 50 miles an hour, you know, in a 30, and I get pulled over for speeding. And by the way, if, that's, if you know me, that's not unlikely. I've been pulled over before for speeding. If you really want to improve your prayer life, just go for a ride with me. I guarantee you'll come back as an intercessor, a strong intercessor, because your prayer life will increase driving with me. Everybody used to make fun of the way I drive. So anyway, but if I got pulled over going 50 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone, and the cop says, hey, look, man, you broke the law. You're going 20 miles over the speed line. I can't say to him, you should have been with me yesterday. Because yesterday I was going five miles under the speed limit driving on this street. And so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I could even tell him, you know, I haven't had a speeding ticket in years. That does nothing to do in removing the guilt of the infraction that I just committed. And in the same way, the law will never, ever remove the guilt. It will show that you're guilty, but it will never, ever remove the guilt in your life? And does your life today say, I obey to be accepted? Or I obey because I have been accepted. I have been justified. 
my heart has been transformed. God's righteousness is now manifested in salvation through Christ. When we see this passage of Scripture, we need to note that there are two sides of God's righteousness. There's a righteousness side of God that demands judgment. That if God did not judge sin, He would be unrighteous. No different than an unrighteous judge who's on the take, who's bribed and doesn't prosecute because he's been paid off. That side of God, that righteousness, He definitely has to judge sin. But there's the other side of God's righteousness that says this, that I make sinners righteous with me by imputing my righteousness on them. That those unrighteous people who come to me in faith, I impute my righteousness upon them. It is another way of saying that God clothes us in His righteousness. That in Joshua, right in Zechariah chapter 3, the high priest who's guilty, Satan is accusing him, and God clothes him in righteous clothing. And that's what God does for us. That's the other righteous side of God in Him saving sinners. The righteousness of God is now manifested in His saving action in Jesus Christ through which our sin can be atoned for so that our broken relationship with God can now be restored. And that's why he says the righteousness of God is now manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. It doesn't contradict the law and the prophets. It complements the law and the prophets. But our righteousness now comes from God Himself. God's righteousness comes to us through faith. Many writers have described faith as the hand of the heart. That faith is reaching out and receiving what God has blessed us with. Faith receives what God has given to us. That's what faith is. Faith in itself is not the thing that makes us righteous before a holy God. It's God who makes us righteous and He presents that as a gift to us. But our hands of the heart reach out and say, I receive that gift. I receive that gift. So our faith has to be in the person of Jesus Christ as verses 22 and 23 make clear because you need to understand that the object of your faith is as important as the faith itself. That you just can't say, I have faith. Well, what does that mean today? Faith in what? Faith in who? Faith in whatever. And as long as I have faith, I'll do good in this life. No, that's not right. And that's not true. The object of your faith is just as important as faith itself. And according to the Scriptures here, it says in verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Faith in Jesus Christ. And you have to have faith in Jesus Christ because it was Jesus Christ that lived the sinless life and died as the sinless sacrifice on the cross. No other person did that. So that's why there's no other way to be right with God except in Christ. Except in Christ. Do you stand in Christ today? Faith opens up salvation to everyone because everyone has sinned. And this is the fairness of God right here. When people say God isn't fair, this is the fairness of God right here. Look, it says, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. But if you back up to verse 22, let me read it in its context. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, all, all who believe. 
For there is no distinction, he says, there is no distinction between a Jew and a Gentile, a Jew who has the law or a Gentile who doesn't have the law. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So faith opens up salvation for everyone. This is the fairness of God. Jesus dies in our place and he opens it up for all of us. Now, that word sin there, I think it needs to be spoken of. The word sin, because the culture's confused. What is sin? What is, because when you talk to one person, what may not be sin in their eyes is sin in your eyes. And so how do you distinguish what sin is and what sin isn't? And the Bible gives us the definition right there, right? Look at it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Glory of God. That's the bullseye right there. In fact, the word sinned was used in New Testament times. The Greek word is ha martamo. It was used of an archer that would take an arrow and shoot and try his best to hit the bullseye, but he didn't always hit the bullseye. You know, there's a shooting range off of Wheeler Road, and that's where we go to sight in our rifles, and we'll set targets up at 100 yards, 200 yards, 300 yards, and that's what we started our, our rifles in on. I've never hit the bullseye. And there's something wrong with my rifle, obviously. Never hit it. And so, you know, we try, and the thing is you just want like a one-inch spread or whatever. It doesn't matter if you hit the bullseye when you're hunting big game. You just want the spread very, very small. But I did figure out how I can hit the bullseye every time. I can take a blank target, shoot, hit it, and then go up and draw the bullseye around it. And if I do that, I'll hit the bullseye every time. And that's what it's like for people who say, well, I'm not a sinner, I'm really pretty good. What they're doing is they're shooting and they're drawing the, the bullseye around the bullet because it's all relative. It's what they think is the bullseye, but right here it tells us that God's glory is the bullseye. All have fallen short. And the word for fallen short is hysteria. Hysteria was used of runners that were running in a race and they would fall behind in the race. Have you ever seen a marathon where the group of people is running out there and somebody starts out way ahead of the pack or they're right there in the front of the pack and then as the race goes on, they fall behind, fall behind, fall behind. And that's what our lives are like with God. That the longer we live, the more sin we stack up, the more we fall behind. And we fall short of His glory. That's what was lost in the garden. When Adam and Eve were created, right? It says in the Bible that they were made in the image of God. And one of the things they did being made in the image of God, they reflected the glory of God. And reflecting the glory of God was a reflection of His perfection. And then all of a sudden they sinned and that glory was lost. And so now as somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, that glory is starting to be recovered. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, "...and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we come to Christ in faith and now we're being transformed back towards what it was in the garden. That glory of God is the bullseye. It's the perfection and no one can live up to that standard. Now, let me say this, please. You have to listen to me on this because every time this word theological comes out, people shudder and they act like it's this 
incomprehensible term that's going to be thrown out there. There are three theological terms that you need to understand real quick in this passage to grab what Christ did for us when we became justified before our holy God. Okay, so three terms, and I'm going to explain them real quick. All right, so one theological term, the word justified. Justified, okay, justified. This is the legal term, meaning to be declared not guilty. That's what you see in that verse 24. We are justified by His grace as a gift. So justification, it means this. It's just as if you were to go over to the courthouse with your speeding ticket, and the judge said, you know what? You're declared not guilty, and he just ripped up the ticket. That's what justification is. You're justified before a holy God because your sin has been taken care of. You're declared not guilty. Now, this word was the game changer for the church. This word alone, justification was the game changer, was what inspired the Reformation, the whole movement that brought about Protestants and the Catholic Church. Because the Roman Catholic Church teaches that salvation comes through seven sacraments. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, in Part 2, Section 1, it says the Catholic Church has these seven sacraments. Baptism, Confirmation, Eucharist, Penance, Anointing of the, the Sick, and Holy Orders, and Matrimony. So it declares those seven sacraments, but further down in Article 2, in paragraph 1129, it says this, the church affirms that for believers, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. When you ask what the difference is between the Catholics and the Protestants, it's right there. It rests on one word. It goes on to say sacramental grace is the grace of the Holy Spirit given by Christ and proper to each sacrament. So where the Catholic church would say justification is a process, that the sacraments are necessary for salvation is really to contradict what Paul says here in chapter 3. He says that we are justified by His grace as a gift. Okay? It's not the sacraments that we do that justifies us. He says it's by grace. Grace is something that's not deserved. None of us deserve it. And it's something that you can't earn. And so, when we talk about grace and justification by grace, you have to start with that word because you don't earn it and you can't earn it and we certainly don't deserve it. But then it also says it's a gift. In other words, God gifts us with justification. That's an important word because a gift is something that's given with no strings attached. Grisel has been meeting with a group of pastor's wives throughout the valley on Zoom on Wednesdays. And one of them had called me and said, hey, look, we want to throw Grisel a grandma party because this is the first time she's going to be a grandma and we've got some gifts. Can we drop them off at your office and then you bring them in while we're on the Zoom call? And I said, sure. So I met him down here at the office this last Wednesday. She dropped off the gifts. And she said, look, go in at 10.30 at the house. So I brought the gifts. We walked into the house, and Grisel was on the Zoom call with the other pastor's wives. And I'm walking in with these gifts, and Carissa had one, and we presented them to her, and we said, surprise! 
And they, she's like, what's going on? And it said, well, these ladies here are throwing you a grandma shower, and these are gifts. And by the way, the, the gift I love the most are called boogie wipes. Grisel and I are in agreement on that, boogie wipes. And yeah, the name does what it sounds like. So we presented her with these gifts, and she opened them, you know, later. And, but they never said, you know, we're glad you like them, and you don't have to take them back, but now you owe us this much money for them because if she was even to be charged a dime for any of those it wouldn't be a gift well that's what paul is saying here that justification comes by grace it is a gift of god it is a gift of god in the catholic church it's a process in fact if you don't meet the process by the time you die you go to a place called purgatory before entering heaven. Purgatory means a place of purging. From the Latin word purgatorius, it means purge. So that your life wasn't good enough to go into heaven, so you're in purgatory to purge you of the rest of your sin before you go into heaven. But what is taught here and what sprung the Reformation was that we're justified by faith, that our sins are declared gone. That total forgiveness comes through that. The second word is redemption. If you look at that, he says we're not only justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are justified by grace as a gift and along with that, the redemption. Redemption is an important word, friends. It kind of points us back to the Old Testament where God delivered His people from their slavery and their bondage in Egypt. But in New Testament times, it spoke of slaves that were able to buy their own freedom or somebody came in and purchased their freedom for them. And so if you were a slave in New Testament times, you could become a free man but there had to be a price paid for that. And what Jesus did with His blood, He redeemed us from slavery that we're now set free, that the shackles are broken, that we're no longer imprisoned, that now the doors open, the shackles break, and now we're free to become what God always intended you and me to become. And if you're caught in your sin today, listen to me. So we get so many people that, that come to church or they call on the phones or, or we run into them and they're in this bondage to sin. They just can't break it because they've never come to Christ. And if that's you today, I want to tell you there's freedom. You don't have to wake up in bondage every single day. You can wake up to freedom that God provides. In Romans chapter 6, verses 17-18, to it says, "...but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness." Jesus, through His redemption, sets us free from that slavery. The last word you need to understand here, and it's a big word that people don't understand, but I'll, I'll make it real simple for you. Propitiation. The word propitiation is important. Let me tell you why. Because propitiation means that it satisfies the wrath of God. Now you remember, as we're reading in Romans chapter 1, right? And then we get into chapter 3. It spoke of the wrath of God. In verse 18, it said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So God's wrath is being poured out on the unbeliever. 
chapter 3, verse 5, it says, But our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God. What shall we say that God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way, he says. And so propitiation, big, because it satisfies the wrath of God. If you can just remember that. Propitiation satisfies the wrath of God. That's why in Ephesians chapter 2 it says we're no longer objects of God's wrath. We are now objects of His favor. We're now children of God. We now belong to Him. The Greek word for propitiation there is hilasterion. It is the same word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Old Testament has a translation called the Septuagint that was translated into Greek from the Hebrew so people of that day can understand it. And the same word that's used here for propitiation is used of the mercy seat in the Old Testament. And the mercy seat was the thing that covered the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark of the Covenant, you had the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod and you had the pot of manna. And there it is, the Ten Commandments, God's law, was in the Ark of the Covenant, and that covered it was the mercy seat. And once a year, the high priest would go in into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of Covenant stood and take the blood and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And what that was pointing forward to was the work that Christ would do. He is now our mercy seat. He is now our mercy seat. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, it says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Do you see that? It was God's love that drove that. It was God's love that drove that. The beautiful thing is that God was both just and the justifier. Look at that passage, how it closes in verse 26. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier, the one who has faith in Jesus. You know what that means? God was just in judging your sin. But it was Jesus who was the one that took the judgment for our sins. And so God is both just and the justifier. You are declared not guilty because of your faith in Jesus Christ. He was the one that took the full bore of God's wrath on the cross. That's incredible. So that's why I say, right? You see that. Romans 5.9 says, since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. That's why I always say that at the cross you've got the love of God and the justice of God intersecting. We should have been judged. But God loved you so much that He sent Jesus to die for our sins. He took the judgment for all of those who place their faith in Him. And that's what drives our obedience today is looking at the Savior. How glorious, how beautiful, how precious is the name of Jesus Christ. Now in closing, I'm just going to say this. The righteousness through faith is the equalizer. And that's what he closes this chapter with. It is the equalizer. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works. No, but by the law of faith. 
See, there had to be a higher law than works to make us right with God. And that was the law of faith. If I was to jump off this podium right now, if I was to jump off this platform, I would fall to the ground because the law of gravity pulls me down. I wasn't created to fly, and neither were you created to fly. And yet, gravity, the law of gravity keeps us grounded, but there is a way you can fly. I can fly to the East Coast and make it there in five hours because airplanes were built and the law of aerodynamics defies the law of gravity. And it's the law of aerodynamics that can get me 30,000 feet in the air even though I wasn't created to fly. The law of faith is the law that defies the law of works that actually brings us into a right relationship with God. He gave us a better way. A way that we can reach the height of His holiness and be right with Him. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text CCCIV app to 77977.